Suzanne's Paparazzi Jewelry. 24-7 shopping available. 160920 is the code. Show her some love. Like she showed us. K&A Custom Crafts on Facebook. Hello and welcome to another night of Tuesday Night Mania here on Coast to Coast Entertainment Network. I'm your special host today, uh, in the absence of Ace, uh, Dragon Viper, and uh, my co-hosts here tonight. Uh, they're here. Um, next to me, we have Chris P. Bacon. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm, I'm doing good. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing good, good. And then we have Joe. Uh, it's Joe Coons, baby. <laughs> How are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing tonight? Um, good. Doing good, and then we have Will Hudson from Top Rope Collectibles. How are you tonight? Doing great, Dragon Viper. What's going on, man? Um, not a whole lot. Just getting this show on the road here. So, um, <clears throat> and we're going to be doing our normal format here, uh, talking about some a little bit of AEW and Impact, and going on from there. So, um. Now we're going to be, uh, I believe Will is going to be talking about AEW. No, he's going to be talking about Impact. So we'll start with Joe on AEW and how it went on Rampage and Dynamite. Well, my take for Rampage and Dynamite this week is that the ratings are down. The product is starting to become exactly like we say it has was going to be. It's becoming stale at the points. And almost like it's predictable what's going to happen. The whole world title tournament, we know what's going to happen. It's going to be Moxley and, and Brian Danielson. And the, the TBS championship eliminator there, to me, it's I, – I, I like it because I think it's going to set up hopefully whoever wins it will be positioned to be in a world title pitcher later on that they're going to give somebody a run and say, okay, you can help hold this. And so now we're going to give you a shot. But the takeaways from, from it was like, it was pretty much the same. I mean, the best match on the card honestly was Brian Danielson and uh, Dustin Rhodes, which happened to be the longest match of the whole entire show. Uh, it was like 14 plus minutes. I think it was. The Cody Rhodes Malachi Black match, which was like eleven, which was the second longest, was subpar. I, I was really for being a blow off trilogy match. I was expecting more out of it, but maybe that's just me being the fan. But I I didn't feel that I got justification out of that. Okay. And then yeah, went, it, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and then they went into their taping on Sunday for their uh, their YouTube over at Universal Studios, and in four hours, roughly, they taped forty nine matches. Oh wow, it's a lot of matches. Yeah, that that definitely is a lot of matches. I mean, um, how I wonder how many matches each uh, person wrestled because I'm sure they would have been exhausted. You know. After a certain point, so. Well, Cody showed up in a new gimmick, which he's playing off as he's not a part of Fergio's uh, tag team partner, but he is. Tony Neese made his debut on there. 
Uh, pretty sure that he's signed, but uh, they probably won't announce that until after he has his match on there. Uh, Adam Cole did have a match on there. So they have some mainstay people on there, but, I mean, it's pretty well the people that they're not using on Dynamite right now. Okay. All right. And um, is there anything else on AEW before we move on to Impact? Nope, not yet. All right. Well, then we're on to Will with Impact. Yeah, so Impact, a couple key takeaways. Number one, you had uh, Alexander defeat Christian for the Impact World Championship. And then, you know, they had it all set up where his family's in the ring. They're celebrating all that. And then in comes Moose to catch in his number one contender spot, takes the title, so he ends up being champion. Um, supposedly the big takeaway from that, big event of that, was the fact that they are no longer in partnership with AEW after that match. So I don't know how much I truly believe that because I think the two of them bring together um, has been a, has been great for both companies. So I don't know how much I really believe that. I think they'll go way to, you know, reconnect with each other. Um, and then, of course, the knockout championship uh, ends up going to Mickey James um, from Diana Prado. So, you know, that that's a big win for Mickey. Uh, you know, she's really, really late career and to still be winning world titles. That's a huge deal. So those are the two big takeaways. Talking about uh, Big Morris for a while, too. Um, he's still a huge player. You look at the guy in the ring, you look at the guy, you know, he's he's world championship material, um, and he's definitely going to be involved in the world title picture. That guy's going to be a world champion. And I think once Bronx gets there, if that ends up being the plan, I think he'll end up with a pretty good feud with Bronx. So that was really the big takeaways from from uh, Bound for Glory. Um, of course, the Iconics are uh, inspiration. They come in, they win the tag titles, but I don't think that shocked anybody. Um, and I think that'll fizzle out really fast because I don't think they have enough of the following to really go very far. That was really it for Impact. Uh, okay. Now, I have, I, William, I have a question for you uh, when it comes to Impact, and I want to hear your opinion on it. Um, with this supposed uh, split from AEW, do you think that uh, AEW made Impact more relevant and now they're going to be irrelevant? Or uh, it doesn't really even I mean, change anything if well, they really did split? It, I think, well, I think they've, they've split, but I think they'll come to terms and they'll, they'll reconnect. But I think uh, it was a way to get more mainstream talent. TV time because you had more programming, you had more more uh, you know episodes. But I also think having an AEW top competitor as the Impact World Champion kind of weakens the Impact structure, the card itself. Because if if your own company can't produce a champion that can defeat the AEW star, then that's not a good look. So I think that was a lot more of the idea behind ending the partnership than it was for them not to work together. I think they'll still work together. I think they'll work something out. It'll be mm-hmm. negotiated. But again, if Roman Reigns went into Impact and became the Impact World Champion, it doesn't benefit Impact at all for their world champion to be some guy from WWE, just like it didn't benefit them at all for their world champion to be some guy from AEW. But for them to have their own Impact World Champion, 
to take away that title from the AEW star, that helps their company. It helps them seem more legit. Um, another thing, too, uh, I really liked about uh, Bound for Glory was the whole Rhino Heath Slater deal. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty good, too. So I-, I was pretty happy about that, but it wasn't really much of a uh, storyline. It wasn't, you know, a big deal or anything, but I, I was pretty, uh, pretty happy about that. Pretty cool. So, but I definitely think there'll be a continued partnership. I just think it'll be restructured. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So, um, I mean, I, I want, I actually want to know your guys's opinion on that too. I mean, with the whole, if the split is actually happening, uh, while we're on the subject, um, Joe, how about you? Um, do you think that, uh, it's it would be a good thing for Impact to split from AEW if they really are, or I mean, what's your opinion on it? Well, you know that 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 like Will says, that's the big rumor, you know. And I think this uh, split, if it does happen, it's going to affect a couple of things because I guess their plan was to bring in Braun, and then uh, Bronson Reed was supposed to be there at uh, Bound for Glory. And they keep saying Bray Wyatt was supposed to be there. But the fact is, Bray Wyatt's not going to be there. He can't be there. He's not obligated to be there until after October 29th. If he does anything before that with them, both sides are in a whole lot of trouble. Yeah. So, so Bray's not going to show up there until probably, if he does sign with them, not until their next set of tapings. But that affects those guys' money a little bit. Because like Will and I have been talking about and we've been discussing... For the Impact guys to get that rub a little bit, it works for them, especially if Impact wants to sign big name talent that they can't really afford. They can pawn them, not you know, they'll loan them out, so to speak, to AEW, so they can make that money, and it, it works out for both sides. But I think for right now, though, Impact needs to do do what Impact does best and just try to get themselves back on track, create their own stars like they used to back in the day. They didn't really have homegrown talent like a lot of people think, but they had good starting talent that became their homegrown talent. And that's what they need right now is to take some of their established stars that they do have that has some name value and help create that next set of talent that's going to help Impact if Impact intends to survive. Yeah, and I I totally agree with you on that. They've got some... They've, they, I've seen some talent come in there and, you know, in impact and, you know, uh, do really well. And then when they're, when they go to another company, they, I mean, they already are excelled out because of what created them. So, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Chris, do you have anything to add on that? I mean, you know, you guys kind of hit it on on the head. I mean, it's going to, it's going to hurt both sides a little bit because, it's almost like a cross promotion of, of kind of sharing the talent and, you know, growing, growing everyone that's there. But hopefully they can get an agreement going and, and try to work things out. Okay. Um, what was that? Okay. Um, and then we're going to go ahead and start an uh, open forum on rumors and general discussion. Um, I'll start with you, Will. Uh, any rumors or anything like that? Only rumors really are are talking about um, how AEW's you know uh, viewership is down, their ratings are down, all that stuff. 
you know, a lot of that I think is just uh, being fed to people. I think it's being fed to the media and all that so they can push it out and, and comment about it. I don't think AEW ever had any plan, at least up to this point, to be the dominant wrestling promotion. I think they want to be their own wrestling promotion. So if they do two or 300,000 less views on a Wednesday or Thursday, or Thursday this week um, or a Saturday show or whatever, I don't think that's really their their uh, thought process. I think they're just thinking, well, you know, maybe we did 300,000 less than the big company out there, but we still did, you know, 1.5 million views or whatever it may have been, 1.2 and a half million views. So I know that's that's really heavily talked about and everybody's acting like, you know, this is the, the destruction of, of AEW already, but I don't think that's the company that they're going after or that's the, the spot they're going after. But they're also going out there and taking away 1.25 million views from WWE. And they're out there going away and taking away a million and a half views from WWE. So WWE may not be getting two and a half million views right now because a million viewers are watching WWE. That, I think, is what they're going after. They don't need as much sustained income coming in to run the AEW because, again, even with them touring and doing a little bit of touring and hitting certain cities and stuff, the buildings that they're filling up are not major convention, uh, they're not major arenas, they're not major stadiums, or any of that stuff. So they don't need what WWE needs to sustain itself. So I think we kind of put that rumor to, to bed a little bit. Uh, in the long run, if they're going to be the global dominant company, they got a lot of work to do. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, and you're right on that. I mean, they're, they're their own company. I mean, they could go back and forth and they can say, well, you know, we're in a war, but is it really, are they really wanting to be in one? I mean, no. um, so, uh, Joe, do you have anything? I actually got quite a bit tonight. I was just clicking on something and WWE fire SmackDown ring announcer, Greg Hamilton. Oh, uh, I heard about that. I, I just, about I, that I just seen it. it just came popping up on there. <laughs> uh, Why? Uh, well, the report is stating that he was released yesterday and he has been with them since 2015. And it says, for those unaware, Hamilton took to Instagram recently and noted that he wasn't a fan of rapper West Side Gun. And I don't listen to rap music, so I have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> yeah, I heard uh, the story. Using a sample of his voice on his recent track, he went on to say that he would sue Gun in his original post, which has now been deleted. It was noted that he wouldn't call WWE lawyers if West Side Gun apologized for using his voice. So, there's that. And I guess let's we can talk about there's all kinds, but I think the big one out there is what happened this past Friday on SmackDown with Charlotte Flair being yeah. quote being quote unquote escorted out of the building, going off script with her and Becky Lynch. There is so many rumors going around on that right now that one I seen today was that Bianca Bier with her promo that she did with Becky Lynch going into Crown Jewel. Everything that she said about Becky Lynch was actually meant for Charlotte. And that when Charlotte got to the back this past Friday, she wouldn't even talk to Vince. Basically 
was escorted out of the building for whatever reason, hopped on a plane headed to Orlando mm -hmm. to support Andrade. And Vince either messaged her or whatever and told her to leave the building because they did not want her to possibly show up on AEW television, which truthfully, AEW smart enough, they wouldn't do that. That would be a major lawsuit and one that they would not recover from because you know Vince, he would take them to the woodshed on that. Oh, yeah. But there's talk that she's unhappy and that she's trying to get herself fired, maybe. But I've heard that, yeah. Um, she is not the most well liked person in the back right now. She's probably like the number one hated heel right now. And everybody's actually taking Becky Lynch's side on that. And other than that, I mean, every other news and rumor out here, Braun Strowman's making his first indie wrestling appearance coming up in uh, Wisconsin, his backyard, which happens to be like, he lives like two, 15 minutes from my, my brother and sister-in-law, which I didn't know that wow. for, for a long time up there. Uh, my, my niece actually served him at a bar the other night, gave me, shot me a picture of him sitting there. I said, 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 do you know who this is? I said, yeah, that's Braun Strowman. Everybody knows who he is. Wasn't he in WWE? I said, yeah, he was WWE. <laughs> he was. He was. And, um, but he's, uh, Hornswoggle has a promotion up there, and they are, he's uh, doing his first indie show up there. So that's a good sign for him. At least he's taking some indie dates up there. Yeah. Maybe we'll start to see him go by the name Titan here soon, showing up somewhere. So two things, two things I'd like to kind of throw out there. Number one, um, with the ring announcer getting terminated, um, the the comment that I'll make with that is it sure doesn't take much these days to get fired. Mm -hmm. And no. number two, I think the whole Charlotte Becky Belair thing is a work because I how, feel the same way. Absolutely. How else do you create that much heat with a with a talent today and make a big match feel for an upcoming? SmackDown versus Raw at Survivor Series, then have Charlotte captain a team and have Becky captain a team. Oh. So I think it's a work. I don't think it's a shoot. And uh, and I think it's all, you know, social media again. Let's spit out what we want them to know and what we want them to hear and mm -hmm. let's spread. And that'll help drum up pay per view buys. That'll help drum up, you know, people subscribing to Peacock Network. And it'll draw people to the audience uh, as far as this match. I think she's too professional, and I think her dad has her trained well enough to know that you don't throw away a tremendous opportunity. If you want to leave a company, you simply ask for a request to get out of your contract, or you wait till your contract. Well, I'm just my my question is, and I'm just kind of wondering when when is it going to be? Because you see certain like uh, wives and girlfriends who. Uh, are in WWE and their husbands and boyfriends are in like AEW or Impact, and it gets to the point where they finally say, "Okay, I want to be with my other half." Um, when I mean, is Charlotte going to get to that point where she's going to say, "You know, I want to be," you know, with Andrade? Um, I mean, is she even going to get to that point? Or I mean, do you will? Do you think she will? So, you know, I mean, I think uh, when contracts end or if she asks for a release from her contract, I think so. But at the same time, I mean, I, you know, you got to remember the, the pay that you're got to remember, the, 
you're in the big leagues, you're on the top tier, and you were on the top tier before anything else. And I think she's so professional that that comes before all. And, um, you know, it's a shame sometimes when those relationships get split up like that. But at the same time, you know, I mean, it's not easy to work with a spouse. And, you know, I mean, they're only a part, you know, a couple days a week because one goes, you know, one way and one goes the other way. But then often it seems like they're accompanying each other when she goes to Raw it seems he's kind of tagging along. When, when he goes to AEW, it seems like she's kind of tagging along. So they're not apart that much. <clears throat> and also, too, there's so many right now that are doing it. Look at Zelina and uh, and uh, what's his name, Malachi Black and, and that whole thing. So I don't know, man. Honestly, you know, when you're in the big leagues and you're top tier, I mean, in, in all regards, and, and this can be argued by anybody and everybody, but in all regards, she's the number one women's wrestler in the entire world. There's nobody really better than her or at least recognized to be better than her, even though we may all have our own personal favorites. She's really the top women's wrestler in the entire world. So to go and, and move over to AEW or, or anything like that is really kind of beneath her at least that's how I look at it from her perspective, not necessarily mine, but from her perspective, it would be like going from the major leagues of baseball to the minor leagues of baseball. Right. <laughs> I mean, do you agree with that, Joe? I mean, it, do you see a, a, a certain point where she's going to leave, where she would leave WWE and be like Lana and Peyton Royce and, go be with her man or I mean do you see her just sticking it out with WWE while he's in AEW? Well the EST did get ranked number one in the PWI women one fifty this year, so that says something. Um I mean Charlotte has said that she wants to some at some point in time work with her husband or soon to be husband. So there's always that possibility. I don't see Andrade going back to WWE anytime soon. And I'm not sure how long Charlotte's under contract for. And let's face it, Charlotte's not getting younger by WWE standards, unfortunately. And women get uh, looked at upon that, which is unfortunate for them, but it's true. I mean, uh, you can have a guy like Goldberg or an Undertaker who are, or even, say, Chris Jericho, who are in their 50s and still able to go. But a woman in her 50s still wrestling is not, is not looked upon very good in the wrestling business, you know, mm-hmm. and it, and it's an unfortunate thing because I think they should be treated just as fair. I mean, if they're able to still do what they do and do it respectfully and feel that they can do it, then, then that shouldn't be a problem. So, but as far as WWE standards go, we all know what's going to happen there. Eventually she's going to get, she's going to get booted at some point or, you know, she's going to break the father's reign, which is something that WWE has always planned to do. I think, you know, um, just don't know. I I know that she feel they some people feel she's tough to work with right now, but she her she's a second generation. She has a lot to carry. I mean, your father's the nature boy, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and and we've seen this from a lot of second and third generation wrestlers. It's tough sometimes when they come from that famous family to carry those legacies because they're instilled to be just like them, but they're also trying to carve their own path as well. And a lot of times that there's a lot of headache and heartache that comes involved in that. So 
Do I see her going to AEW? Probably down the line, but not anytime soon. I feel like Will does. I really think it sets up instead of them having a, a team, being that they're both champions and Survival Series is champion versus champion, you're going to get that those two guys, uh, two ladies going at it, you know, uh, uh, for their, their brands. Okay. And we have a couple of comments here. Uh, Larry Walker says, what's up, everyone? Hashtag TRC for life. And Stephen Coleman saying, yo, yo, yo. Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, I can't even talk tonight. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. Um, and Joe, do you happen to have any more rumors or anything like that? Or no, I, I've seen WWE's 2022 pay per view schedule, and there is mixed emotion between a lot of fans about them thinking that WWE is trying to to hurt AEW by running Saturday nights. But I don't believe that's the case at all. Uh, I, in fact, enjoy it, and I think they've listened to a lot of fans that are, are parents because a lot of them say that it's hard for them to watch a show on Sunday with their families because their kids have to go to bed and school and things like that. So unless I, it's I'm crown actually, jewel. Uh, right, unless it's crown jewel in the middle of the week. Uh, <laughs> but I I like it. I think it's setting up for their September pay-per-view in, U- in the UK. Everybody was thought they were going to get SummerSlam, but... That's a big one to have on that early in the daytime and, and make it just work. But two nights of WrestleMania, I think is good. I, I'm fine with that. Only one that was a little crazy for me was seeing SummerSlam for the first time in 35 years in, in July. But being, <laughs> being inside Nissan Stadium, I, I, I think it's pretty cool. Okay. And Chris, do you happen to have any rumors that you've heard? Uh, I think I heard a couple – I think a couple weeks ago that Bray Wyatt was supposed to be in AEW, like for their Halloween show. I think it was going to be for Rampage. Uh, that would be the day his contract expires. I don't know if it's you know it's just rumors, but it, it could happen. Um, and in that WWE's pushing Reigns to be the, the greatest of all time. I don't think we're, he's going to lose the, the title too soon. That's just what I'm hearing. Yeah, I think they want him to break Brock's record of 500 days is what it is. That's yeah. why they're pushing the numbers of how long Brock was champion compared to Roman Reigns. Which will set them up at rough. Okay, can't, can't hear you there, Joe. Yeah. And now, guys. Okay. Yeah, we can hear you. Now we yeah, can. Which I... Oh, there he goes again. Can't hear. Can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, I mean, do you have anything to say about that, Will? No. I mean, they're obviously setting up a, ma- a major, you know, Brock and, uh, and Reigns deal, but... You know, it all seems like a distraction almost, you know, to get everybody's mind off of the rock and rain. So uh, I think if Brock and Roman is the main event at WrestleMania 38, I think that's a major disappointment and a major letdown because we've seen that match multiple, multiple times. And uh, that's not the main event of WrestleMania anymore. You know, I mean, it may have been at one point and I don't know what else is going to be the main event. But to put the uh, uh, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns in the main event, 
that's not a main event match anymore. Mm -mm. So. No, I I definitely agree. I mean, they're they were talking about possibly uh, waiting till WrestleMania 39. I believe that's when they're in LA and putting the yeah. Rock versus Reigns and keeping the Rock or keeping Reigns as the champion until then. So uh, they want they they were trying to get uh, also trying to get Rock versus uh, Reigns at WrestleMania 38, but then they're like, well, it would make more sense. To have Rock, uh, the Rock versus Reigns at WrestleMania 39 because that is in LA. So, um, and you yeah. wouldn't have to travel anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then we have a, a comment from Steven saying, I know you were speaking on Charlotte Flair, but I just wanted to add that I think the Becky train is about to pull into the station for good. <laughs> it, it looks like it. She's. Her, her, her title's up for grabs uh, Monday against Bianca. Supposedly. So, I mean, is 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 Charlotte still... Uh, I mean, Charlotte's on SmackDown, so... Is she going to be on Raw? No, Charlotte's no. on... Okay. All right. Woohoo, uh, I'm back. Hey, and, here, and Joe's back, and we can hear him again. <laughs> Yo, my daughter was calling in, guys. Sorry, I kept the uh, phone call. <laughs> oh, I know that feeling. So, um, so no, I'm on the number you... one podcast. You gotta leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what were you saying now? Oh, nothing. I, I I kind of heard what Will was saying there, and like I said, that I think with the uh, Roman Reigns, they want to build him up to where he surpasses Brock or gets that 500, and it sets him up for a WrestleMania rematch, but. Like Will says, I mean, the lackluster, unfortunately, has wore off on that. I mean, you got two nights in the at WrestleMania. I don't. Uh, the rumor is they're not going to set that stadium up to full capacity. Which, if you do, you you can pack in over a hundred thousand fans both nights. I mean, the first time they said it, they had over a hundred thousand fans, which was we know how WWE likes to inflate their numbers, and they were no mm -hmm. nowhere near a hundred thousand plus uh, on their first time around. So. Uh, do I tune in to watch it? Yeah, it's WrestleMania. Of course, I'm going to tune in to watch it. But is it going to be like, ooh, Roman and Brock getting to go at it? I was more happy with this one. I thought it was going to be a really good match. And I was more happy with Brock because Brock did more in this match than what he's done in quite some time. Absolutely. Which is what, which is what I like. I kind of wish in a way he goes back to the old Brock with a Kurt Angle style when him and they were going out and do a little bit more but i mean for for my money's worth at some points in time you i kind of thought Ro, uh, brock was going to win even though i knew he wasn't going to win right but he he made me feel like oh man maybe they might just pull swerve ball over uh, a smart marks out there oh well, yeah especially, especially uh Heyman throwing out the belt and yeah he brock says you know what to do up. with it <laughs> like he was talking to Brock, but you know what to do. I hope we get an action figure of this Brock because I do like this new Brock Viking style going on there. I like the hair and the beard. <laughs> Let me this: we all agree that that Brock or uh, Brock and Reigns is not an event worthy of WrestleMania anymore. What no. is what is WrestleMania main event worthy now? You know the the problem is WWE has done so many things that's repugnant that right now it's really hard for me to even say what would be 
be a main event because you've already put the women on, which is was groundbreaking. And really nothing right now. I mean, Drew and Roman, but I mean, they've already fought. I mean, right now, unless they bring somebody up or somebody gets really, really hot that you haven't seen, nothing mm -hmm. yet. I don't, I don't feel anyways that there's a worthy main event match right now. You could do a Drew and, and Brock again, another like WrestleMania rematch, but this time it'd be in front of fans. I want a Bobby and Goldberg rematch. There you go. There you go. And then Goldberg, we got he la Goldberg lasted longer too this time. And then and then we got a couple comments here. Uh, one from Steven saying, "I'd like to see another fatal four way elimination match like they did for WrestleMania 2000." Uh, Ray Ray says Lashley versus Lesnar, and then we have Steven saying Reigns, Lesnar, Drew, and Finn. Ooh, that's a tough one. I, I like the I like the Lashley Reigns. That's been one that's been talked about. I will go with that. Would be a, a great main event matchup if they allow. Like I said, if Brock goes back to doing his amateur stuff against Lashley and his amateur stuff, they could have a really good matchup. I think not probably not as good as Angle and Lesnar, but but I don't close. I don't think that'll ever happen because I talked about this before. I think the thought process behind the scenes is. These two guys are both extremely competitive. They're both MMA fighters, and they're going to get out there, and one of them will end up hurting the other one, or they'll both hurt each other. And that's a huge investment to lose one or both in one match. And I think that's exactly what it is that keeps those two from clashing. Plus, with Lashley losing uh, to Big E and then uh, Big E beating Drew McIntyre, I don't see any way they could put Lashley up there in the picture with, uh, with Brock. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, but yeah, main event match with WrestleMania right now, I couldn't even couldn't even point one right now. They have too many bad guys and too many good guys and not enough star quality in in really any of them right now. So um all right. So um we're going to move on to what if and uh, this discussion topic is about CM Punk uh, winning the 2014 Royal Rumble. So go ahead, Will, with that. So CM Punk, uh, you know, he left the night after the 2014 Royal Rumble because he felt like uh, the older talent was still getting pushed. And even though uh, Batista ended up winning that Royal Rumble, Batista went on to, to triple main event. Uh, WrestleMania, but he didn't win the title and he didn't carry it away. He didn't stay in WWE very long afterwards. Um, CM Punk's big fit was bringing back these older guys or these older wrestlers and putting them in main event spotlights, and he was mad about it, so he left. He walked out. He quit. Um, but what if he didn't? What if he would have won the 2014 Royal Rumble and went on to main event WrestleMania? And in that case, he goes on to main event WrestleMania 30, in my opinion, with Daniel Bryan, because Daniel Bryan was the hottest thing at that time. And then he ends up losing to Daniel Bryan because obviously they want to put the belts on Bryan at that point at WrestleMania. And then right after that, Bryan gets hurt. Bryan got hurt either way. Right after that, he was gone. So what if Punk had won the Rumble, went on to WrestleMania, ends up losing, Bryan takes the belts, Bryan gets hurt. Where does that leave Punk? Main event spotlight picture, 
And uh, I think then you never see Punk go away. And I think Punk would have been a multi-time world champion after that and uh, stayed in WWE. The one little swerve in that match and having Punk win that instead of Batista, I think that was a, that was a huge miss for the company and a, and a huge draw that they lost by, by losing Punk. Plus, you got to remember, too, at WrestleMania 30, Undertaker loses to Brock. So you lose that mystique, that mystique part of Undertaker being the undefeated streak, which really was kind of the main event for a lot of WrestleManias versus whatever the world title picture was. The match everybody went to see was whether or not the Undertaker would keep the streak. So that's my thoughts on that. <clears throat> okay. Um, anybody else have any thoughts about Joe, Chris, have any thoughts about what Will said? I mean, do you see do you see him advancing and being a multi-time champion or uh, if he actually won the rumble? I do, but I, yeah. I wonder how the how the yes movement would have played into that because Triple H wasn't he a big part of the yes movement uh, getting that going by saying Punk you're too small I mean uh Brian you're too small you're too small you're not uh, championship material things like that yes because How at the time there was no other big heel to push against that so does CM Punk take Triple H's place said as saying you're not yeah. worthy enough to be in this position and things like that and that's how we get the yes movement going how you get to see on Punk versus uh, Brian at WrestleMania? Absolutely. Okay, I can see that happening then. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I mean, you know, anything can happen at that point, and uh, I, I think Punk would be in WWE for for a long time, at least up until now, maybe more years. But I agree. Well, I mean, wasn't wasn't Punk like? Uh, on fire and popular at that year too, so it would be the Yes Movement versus CM Punk and his, you know, uh, following with how big he was at that time. I mean, so in 2014 at the Rumble, Brian was the favored winner. Brian's the one everybody wanted, but also too, Roman Reigns at that time was also extremely favored. So when Brian gets eliminated from the Rumble, they all started chanting, "We want Brian," but at the same time. When uh, Reigns ends up getting eliminated in that Rumble, uh, they all booed like crazy because they also wanted Roman Reigns to win it. Now, one year later, of course, in 2015, Reigns does win it, and they boo him out of the building. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I was trying to remember the one in 14, but yeah, they were – okay, yeah, I could see – I could have seen a really good match. I mean, we could have with uh, at WrestleMania with Brian and and Punk, so that that actually would have been really good. Talk yeah, about a love hate relationship with uh, Roman Reigns. One year you like him, one year you don't. Yeah, absolutely. And he had constantly reinvent his character, just like John Cena said during the shoot interview. But you know, another thing too with Brian, he wins that world title, and his immediate feud becomes Brian and Kane. That doesn't go very long or very far. Brian's injured, and he's several years. You know? Right, and in 2014 Rumble, wasn't it Punk and The Rock, too? Punk was coming off of that 400-plus day. No, that was 2013. Oh, I got the year mixed up. Okay. All right. Punk was disgruntled at that point, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, now you know, here, here, here's an added thing. 
uh, how relevant and how popular would have punk been if he didn't do that pipe bomb and you know pipe bomb um mic bomb incident you know mic drop right. uh, would he have been more re uh, less relevant he would uh, if he didn't he do it he would have been right back to being just a straight edge punk with uh gallows and uh, serena i mean he wouldn't have had any of that that momentum going into it you got to remember the whole idea of that pipe bomb was to build him up big enough to seem like he could compete with John Cena, who at the time everybody referred to as Super Cena. Yeah. So, because Super Cena never really lost very much at pay-per-views and really was beating everybody. So they had to come up with something that seemed big enough uh, for somebody to be able to take Cena. And then, of course, you get to Money in the Bank that year, and uh, you know he ends up taking that WWE Championship off Cena, walks out through the crowd, Goes away for an entire month. You don't see him. Then he shows up at SummerSlam and has a match with Cena as well. I heard all of that from what uh, uh, CM Punk, what he did. He, he gave uh, Vince a fake copy of what he was going to say and then just kind of, you know, went off the cuff with what he really said. Yeah. Well, that yeah, I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't know that either, but. Uh, I like that era of punk because it made me question because I knew his contract was up and I knew that for a long time he was, he didn't resign. And then when he wins the championship, they still kept it pretty quiet that, that he resigned with the company. So I'm like, Holy cow, man, somebody won the championship and left with it. And he's taking pictures of it in the refrigerator, and then, <laughs> you know, all these other places. And I'm like, Holy cow. I was actually for the, First time in a long time, I'm actually intrigued because I was kind of curious where this thing was going to play out. All right. All right. Um, and then we're going to go to wrestling historical moments Sting versus Jeff Hardy, Impact. Hardy unable to compete in the match. Well, yeah, Victory Road 2011, Impact Victory Road 2011. So uh, Hardy comes out. He's clearly impaired, you know, and, and he refers to that moment is uh, about a moment. He gets in the ring. He kind of hovers in the corner. Can't really stand very well. Can't walk very good. The referee realizes that he's really not able to compete and calls several times uh, out to the timekeeper to not even call the match to start because he's unable to compete. Sting comes out. Sting is very embarrassed, very upset, you know, doesn't really know what to do. Hardy kind of walks around for a little over a minute, maybe two minutes, pretending like he's going to throw his shirt into the office. Finally, he does. You know, Sting gives him a couple quick hits and gives him the Scorpion Death Drop and literally uses all of his weight to pin uh, Hardy's shoulders to the mat. Hardy clearly kicked out, but the referee knows that they got to do everything they can to end this match. So, and just before this happened, uh, before the bell rang, Bischoff comes out and, uh, makes it a no disqualification match and tries to play off that he's the heel and support of Hardy and against Sting, but uh, they knew that Hardy was in no shape to compete. They let this match go. This was the main event of the Victory Road 2011 pay-per-view. They let the match go, and uh, back to what I was saying, Sting puts all of his body weight down on Hardy's shoulders to pin him a little less than a minute into the actual match and pins him, retains the title, and even when he's going up the ramp, the, the crowd is chanting, you know, this is bullshit. Things telling the crowd as he's going up the ramp. I agree. I absolutely agree. It is. 
And, you know, he had hit rock bottom. It was a bad place for Hardy at the time, but it was an extremely historic wrestling moment. And if you get the chance to go back and look at it, I highly recommend it because it's not a Jeff Hardy you would really think you would ever see. Um, it was a very unprofessional moment for him and uh, a very professional moment for Sting. So if you ever want to see what it looks like when a wrestler has to hold another wrestler down to pin him against what the script says, that's what it looks like. Extremely historical moment. Yeah, I, and I remember actually watching that. Um, and, and it was sad. I agree with Ray Ray on this. Uh, it was really sad. I felt bad for Jeff, uh, for Jeff because, you know, I mean, he he looked, I mean, he was intoxicated and out of it, but he looked so lost into what he was doing. And, and uh, I mean, just, just watching him, I'm like, man, I don't even know why they even allowed him into the ring, you know, let alone to be in this match. They could have come up with something real quick, right last minute type thing and put somebody else down there or something but for them to allow jeff down there while he was in that kind of sit you know uh uh mental state with uh you know being intoxicated i don't understand how they were able to how they allowed that so well extremely extremely poor management of the company at the time yeah yeah, well, and it was, and so I felt real bad for Jeff Hardy, and I watched it, and I'm just like, I, I'm thinking to myself, well, this is, hopefully this doesn't last very long, so that way, you know, he can gain whatever composure he's got, go to the back and try and gain some, you know, dignity back for, acting, you know, being that way on camera, so. Right. Um, I mean, Joe, you got anything to say about that? Yeah, um. I was listening, I listened to 83 Weeks, and Eric Bischoff does a lot of stuff for WCW and TNA, and one of the episodes that he discussed was this Victory Road pay-per-view, and he goes into great details about it. He said it's one of the worst days of his, his professional career. Um, at the time, it was known that Hardy was drinking, and he was also very much into taking painkillers and other uh, prescription drugs and the day of this event was a different day because usually hardy comes in and they and they see him and bischoff said that that day hardy came in and went straight to his little dressing room which was the trailers in the back and they didn't see hardy until just about the time that he was going out to the match because they already knew what how the match was supposed to play out so hardy kept to him to himself the whole entire day and nobody really checked on him. And Eric said that's a that's a fault on his and the company's fault for not going in there knowing the problems that he was having because not too long before that he was already getting busted on for drinking and driving and things like that. And then when he when um, Hardy went by Bischoff, he seen him go by, get into the ring, and that's when he noticed that uh, Hardy was off. And they called an audible at that point in time. Bischoff said he went down to the ring, he got in Hardy's face, and told him this is exactly what's going to happen, that we're going to ring this bell, and you are going to basically more or less lay down, which they kind of got it. Had, if you see it, Sting had to get him into position to get him down. And he says, you're not going to kick out, and you're going to lose a match. And basically, 
threatened him with his job at that moment, saying if you do anything other than that, you know, you're, you're basically fired. And you can see it where Hardy's still so out of it that they do put him down on the ground and Sting is using everything he has to keep him down. And Hardy does the job. He rolls out and, and off he goes. But Bischoff said, and Conrad Thomas asked him, said, why did you even let it go like that? And he said, if we would have known and we would have done our part of it, that match would have never, never took place. They would have called an audible and they could have came up with something that Hardy was hurt or he, you know, missed his flight and they could have rescheduled another match and Sting would have walked out still with the championship that night, but under different circumstances. Yeah, definitely would have been a longer match and definitely would have been a better match, but yeah, most, yeah, I, 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 I felt bad for him that night. Um, Chris, you have anything on that? Or did you even, have you even seen it or anything like that? Who? Huh? <laughs> oh, I cut out. Oh. About, have did you hear about that at any point or did you see it or anything like I that? I haven't, no. Okay. Um, I recommend going back and watching it, Chris. Go check it out. I will. It won't yeah. take it won't take but a couple minutes of your time, I promise you. Yeah. Um it happens fast. <laughs> um all right, so we're gonna go on to personal experience with being a wrestler. Um I I don't have any, so I mean I'm sure uh, you know, I know Will does, I'm sure Joe does. I'm, so I'm we'll in start the same boat as you, Dragon Viper. So, so we'll start with Will on this. So this past weekend, uh I was in Orlando. Uh, initially, I planned on going to Knoxville this coming weekend, uh, but my wife didn't get off work, and, and we had some different things going on, so we didn't get to go to Knoxville, but we ended up going to Orlando to the Spooky Empire Convention. So right before the convention, they announced that Carrying uh, um, Cross, Scarlet, and Shotzi would be there. So we thought that was pretty cool. We went to a bunch of different stores looking for some Carrying Cross figures. Couldn't find any. Uh, we went to the convention and found a bunch. Uh, we got to meet Karrion Cross, Scarlet, and uh, Shotzi. Got a bunch of stuff signed. And uh, really good experience, man. You know, uh, watching Karrion on TV, I haven't really been a fan at all. I've heard good things about him, but I haven't really been a fan because I haven't really seen where the character is going. I wasn't really a Scarlet fan. Um, Shotzi, I did love. I was a fan of Shotzi. But after meeting them in person, I was so impressed with those people, all three of them. Um, really incredible. Really good with the fans. Wanted to talk to you. Wanted to spend time with you. Um, wanted to ask, you know, where you were from. Tell me, you know, about watching wrestling or, or whatever, you know, uh, conversation-wise. And, you know, we were able to carry on a good conversation, spend some time with those folks. And we got a lot of stuff signed. And, you know, just overall great experience. Um, I was very, very impressed with uh, carrying Cross and Scarlett and, of course, Shotzi. So that was a, a really great experience. It was unexpected. Um, I also got to see Mick Foley at the same event. Um, Foley, uh, I don't know. I think Foley, you know, I know he's got some, some cognitive issues, but I don't know. Every time I meet him, it's like he's uh, getting slower and slower. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of a shame, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll cover a lot of that on a different different episode. But um, 
I, I wasn't real impressed with meeting Foley this time, and I've met him probably a couple dozen times, honestly. And uh, I was I was really saddened to uh, to speak with him for a few minutes, and he, he just not not his normal self, I would say. Kind of like incoherent. Uh, more or less like. I don't know if it was he didn't really know where he was at or he didn't really care where he was at or I don't know. It was just weird. I mean, there wasn't really much conversation. It was more, you know, we, we talked about some stuff that I was getting him to sign. And, you know, I told him about the color I wanted to use and stuff. He wanted to use a different color. He thought it would look better. And we kind of, you know, didn't really disagree on that, but we kind of, you know, debated it for a minute. And he just kind of sat there like maybe he was lost. I don't know. It was strange, but uh, it wasn't my best experience meeting Foley. But, you know, not to take away anything from meeting Karrion Cross, Scarlett, and Shotzi, that was a huge, uh, huge plus. And I was so impressed with those guys, you know. And it's been a while since I've been truly impressed with meeting wrestlers because I've met quite a few, and I have a long list of wrestlers that I've met. And uh, I could say that meeting those three was in my top tier wrestlers I've met. Wow. And that's pretty good too. Yeah, <laughs> especially with how many you've met. So, yeah. Um, we have Christy Wilson saying hi, guys. I love AEW. Hey, Christy, how's it going tonight? Uh, she says, "How cool were they?" Will so he already mentioned it. Uh, Ray Ray says his new gimmick sucks. Um, I haven't seen Karrion Cross really wrestle, so. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't really watch him in NXT or anything, so I can't really uh, mention anything about that. Um, Lou says, I'm surprised that man can still walk. Talk about Mick Foley. I'm, I'm surprised as well. Um, Ray Ray says, he didn't, he didn't help you have a nice day, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Christy says, I've never met a wrestler from either WWE uh, or AEW. So, um, yeah, I mean, and, and I like hearing about how you meet these wrestlers because they don't have that, you know, really even have signings in Oregon. So, um, and let alone wrestlers coming to Oregon pretty much now that, you know, Portland is just a wrestling school, and, I mean, they may still have wrestling, you know, wrestling, Portland wrestling on television. Other than that, um, yeah, you don't get any big famous wrestlers over here in Oregon. So, um, it, it kind of sucks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any, I, I won't ever, unless I, go, you know, move away from Oregon, I won't really have any stories about meeting anybody like that. So, um, although I, I, I do want to jump in though, and I do want to say that uh, I was working for a call center one time and I did talk to Eddie Guerrero, you know, years ago. Uh, I worked for a cell phone uh, call center company and, and uh, he had a Nextel phone, so I helped him with his bill a little bit. But other than that, you know, that's about as close as I came to talk to a wrestler. Um, Joe, you have any experiences? I do. I mean, I, I mentioned a lot of them last week, but those are the, the same ones. I haven't ran into anybody recently or anything like that, but, you know, 
like living here in Florida, I got a, always got a good opportunity to see a lot of them because they live here, you know, pretty close by. You see them out in public and stuff like that. And for the most part, you know, I, I've not had a bad reaction to any of them. I think a lot of them are fascinated by sometimes the information that you know about them just because of who they are. Uh, but I always found it feasible, you know, not to be one of those super fans who runs up to them and, <laughs> and they're eating dinner with their family or anything like that. Hey, can you sign this or anything like that? Because uh, you ain't going to get very far with that. But, right. you know, you, you just treat them like normal people. I mean, sometimes it's just crazy because you're like, oh, my gosh, I see you on TV. And, you know, and, and then the reality of it is you see them on TV. Sometimes you think they're bigger than what they are. Then when you see them in person, you're like, holy cow, you're like the same height and things like that of, of me, you know. And it's like, this is cool. But yeah, uh, no, all my stories were last week with like X Pac and all those, but those are not uh, PG rated for <laughs> for the podcast. Um, yeah, it's you know, and and I'm not gonna lie, you know, I, if I were to get out of Oregon and run into you know a wrestler, I probably would be that fan person, you know, because it'd be the first one I'd see in person. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'd want to meet him. I mean, you know, Will, Will has no problem at this point, you know, going up to him, having their, you know, having them sign things and cause he's used to it by now. Me, if I were to meet them, I'd be like, Oh, you know, and run up to him. Hey, can I get a signature kind of thing? You know, trying not to be inappropriate at the same time while they're, you know, eating with their family or, you know, things like that. So that'd be tough for me to be honest right now. Yeah. And I think too, is like, you know, that they're human beings, but they're so cool at some point, you know, you feel, you know, that they are. And then, and like, Will can explain a lot of times, you know, you, you get to meet those guys and you think they're really cool. Then you meet them and you're like, Holy cow, this person was not what you expected. You know, the complete opposite, ungrateful. And, you know, yeah. an a-hole and things like that. And you're just like, wow, you know, what a jerk, you know? And then you get those ones that come across on TV like you would not even dare walk up to meet them because you know they'll probably rip your face off. And then they're like puppies. And you're like wanting to sit there and talk to you and have 30, 40-minute conversation with you. And they don't even know who you are. They just know that you're a fan. But they have taken that much time to, to get to know you. I mean, Will can say, like, Lex. I want to meet Lex. I think Lex would be a cool guy to sit down and, and talk about stories, about the past, you know, his experience, how he got in, and just stories, you know. And like Will said, he really sits down and listens to you as a person and wants to know more about you than what you do about him. Yeah. That's what I find interesting and cool. Uh, I agree. And going through these comments real quick, uh, OE Sheets, welcome, and hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, OE Sheets says, Piper was from Oregon, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, I was um, looking that up, and he did fight in her, you know, fought in Oregon. He, 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 he had, a, I believe it was a, a, a tow yard or a junkyard in Portland. Well, he lived, uh, all, he lived there until the day he died, too. Yeah. Um, and then Ray Ray says, what do you all think about DiBiase's current issues, which I don't know anything about? He has him and his sons have to pay back the state of Mississippi a lot of money. Uh, oh, OK. I did hear about that then. Yeah. But so does Brett Favre and a lot of those guys from the state of Mississippi, too. 
yeah, uh, for mi misinformation or something like that with DHS and or something yeah. like that. Um, I mean, what what's your thought on that, Will? Well, you know, it's like anything else. These guys don't get involved with stuff like that. They get involved with the charity portion of it. Show up, do some autograph signing, sign some merchandise for us, let, it, let us raffle it off, let us sell it off, or whatever it may be. Um, I don't necessarily know to what full level they were involved, but, you know, sometimes when something goes up in smoke, it's easier to blame the celebrities that are involved, and I think they just kind of got the, uh, the tailwind of it. I think Brett Favre was the target because they saw money and an opportunity for money. And then they saw these other guys' names, and they assume they have money. And, uh, yeah, I don't think much is going to come out of it. I know there was a, a judgment ruled against them that they had to pay back X amount of dollars. Um, but, they, you know, they said it's millions and millions of dollars. But, like, Brett Favre is responsible for 700000 DiBiase is responsible for, like, 200000 His kid's responsible for, like, 400000 So it's not, you know, the big news story that it's cracked up to be. Um, once you read into the story itself. So, you know, I, I, again, I think people just get caught up in, in uh, you know, scams and schemes. And, you know, look at look at the Mike Tysons of the world. How many scams and schemes was that caught up in? You know, and, and look at some of these other guys. How many, how many scams and schemes were they caught up in? It eventually just goes away. And I don't think it hurts any of them um, from the fan perspective whatsoever. I mean, I think it's just something that, their name was tied into and, and something that just happened. Well, God, I love the media for that one for blowing things out of proportion. So, so. Speaking, of, speaking of Tyson, I hope he fights Logan Paul and just knocks him on his Easter. <laughs> <laughs> In February. Uh, I well, hope they, so. they, they were talking about it and then they said it was called off again. So who knows, but I hope it happens. I just want somebody <laughs> just to knock that guy on his <laughs> Yep, me knock too. Knock him on his, knock him on his butt, man. But uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree with Will uh, with that real quick. Is like they were involved in stuff, and I think you know they may have took some money and didn't fulfill their end of it as well too. And then they just started digging around. Like Favre, he uh, signed. He took money for some uh, speaking engagements that he didn't commit to, and that could have been for whatever reason. He could have not been feeling good, you know, whatever. But. That's that's basically what it is. Is that they took money for their companies, and uh, with their church things that they're doing up there, uh, the DiBiases are, and uh, and Ted DiBiase Jr. runs a camp, and took money, or or was given money, however you want to look at it, and one thing led to another, and he wasn't able to fulfill his commitments of it, and the the people were upset, and he kind of, they kind of got sued, and the state of Mississippi said, all right, you got to pay us back, and kind of what they're doing they're just paying back the money that the, that was given to them yeah all right well um and we're cutting out of time here so i'm gonna go around each of you and you know give you 30 45 seconds to say what you want uh, i'll start with will on this a uh, huge shout out to the top rope collectibles uh all the members there all the folks that came in check this out tonight thanks for that um you know, we had some great topics tonight. We got to figure out a way to, to become more all exclusive, get more people involved with their points of view. We want to see the comments. We want the people to comment. Um, and we want you to ask questions and make statements. And that's what we're looking for. So 
Um, thank you to Coast Coast Entertainment Network for having us on again. Uh, sincerely appreciate it. And, uh, like I said, you shout out to all the uh, top those members. All right. Thank you, Will and Joe. Um, shout out to Top Rope Collectibles, man. Will takes my money every week. <laughs> but uh, I am the uh, MJF of the group, and I'm better than you, and you know it. <laughs> but no, uh, I, I enjoy it, guys. And uh, we don't pretend to know it all. So we enjoy having everybody discuss it, and that's all it is. Bunch of boys and girls getting together, talking about men and women wrestling in their underwear. <laughs> I like that. That's funny. And then Chris, but it's all, but it's all real. Oh. You know, it's not, it's not fake. Wrestling's not fake. Oh no, 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 uh, no, no. <laughs> all right, Chris. Uh, thank you guys for watching, tuning in, interacting with the show. Uh, you know, stay with Coast to Coast. We got great shows coming up, and uh, you know. We talk everything from wrestling to sports to everything in between. So just check us out. All right. Thank you, Chris. And Lou says, we all should know William Hudson needs more than 45 seconds to talk. <laughs> and then says, nothing but love, William Hudson. So I do well, want. If Adam, if Adam was here tonight, we would all lost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to thank everybody for showing up and, and commenting. You know, it was said that, you know, we appreciate the comments. We, you know, thrive on them and we go off on them. So we appreciate the comments. We appreciate people watching the show. And thank you, everybody, for, you know, coming in uh, and, you know, uh, uh, being part of this. And, uh, thank you, Joe and Will and Chris, and thank you, Chris, for you know producing as well. And I, you know, I uh, just want to say I hope everybody has a good night. Ace will be here hopefully, uh, depending on how the World Series is going. Uh, so not, hopefully, not good, Ace, not, not good tonight for him. <laughs> so. So hopefully Ace will be back here again next Tuesday night for another, you know, night of Tuesday Night Mania. And I hope everybody has a good night. A safe Halloween. And have a safe Halloween. Uh